This episode may contain language which some listeners might find objectionable. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binaries, welcome to your five minutes of funk, an American cultural think tank, five minutes at a time. This is Tim, and uh, we're a couple of days after Super Bowl 56, and uh, I'm not sure if you noticed, but uh, the former president, you know, I ain't going to even say his name, but it was that number 45 cat, right, had a Super Bowl party where he invited former Jacksonville Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer and current New England Patriots uh, head coach Bill Belichick to a Super Bowl party at his Mar-a-Lago estate. Now, I don't have to tell you too much. You know what? I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to regale you about the hypocrisy in these, these people that are in football. I mean, I talked about that a great deal on our last session here, right? So we know... We know what's going on. We know that no matter how much these people leave black folks and talk about brotherhood and all this other stuff, they still believe what they want to believe, and they're still going to follow Trump and do all of that stupid stuff. So I'm not going to waste this time uh, talking about that hypocrisy yet again. What I will do is talk about that halftime show just so we clear. So Super Bowl 56 done gone gangster. Done gone ghetto. Dr. Dre and his G-Funk All-Stars, Snoop Dogg with Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, along with 50 Cent, they came with it. All that gangster shit making a gangs of snaps. On the Super Bowl. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, for the record, during the Super Bowl halftime, I was pop-locking and, and, and doing a crip walk and all that. Look, I was in my glory. And uh, I actually watched it at a local restaurant here in San Diego that specializes in some uh, gangster shit, right? And it, 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 was a, it was called Sucker Free Soul Food Restaurant. They had a couple of few uh, white folks in there that I don't think they were ready for the way we were in there acting. Mind you, no, you know, nobody broke anything or anything like that. But look, pff, it got real gangster real quick. Gangster on paper, mind you. No, 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 no hooligans in here. We were just watching football and, and, and bobbing our heads to some music, right? The part that was a real tipping point for me, just a visual spectacle, it was a real tipping point to see a, a, a gang of guys on national and potentially international television dancing in unison wearing Los Angeles County Jail khaki overalls. I mean... It looked like a prison chain gang out there on the 50-yard line dancing at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I got to say, that was almost an out-of-body experience for me. It was like it was just like, wow. 
I, I cannot believe, as I stated at the outset, the Super Bowl done gone gangster. <laughs> I had a great time. And I'm going to tell you what, as great a time as I had, uh, what, what, what has come out of this uh, uh, various types of analysis of the Super Bowl halftime show was as much uh, enjoyment as I got out of it, there was a great deal of consternation on the part of a bunch of uh, other folks who may have been watching the Super Bowl that uh, were not as enamored with the sight of a bunch of gangster dudes along with 50 Cent uh, at the Super Bowl. <laughs> right? I mean, you know that segment of society that I'm always talking about, right? Um, yeah, they were. I'm, I'm sure they were none the happier about this, and they've made their presence felt on social media about this. With one notable exception, okay? Um, did you notice how loud the stadium got when Eminem came out? I mean, you know, this is Eminem. I mean, of course, you know, this is Eminem. He's a badass guy, right? But the stadium became noticeably louder when Eminem came out. I think we have an idea as to why, you know? I mean, one of the things that I was able to find on social media, various outlets after the Super Bowl, was how there was a great deal of white folks who who looked upon the side of Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg in his, in his crip wear, right, with a fair amount of disdain. But they claim Eminem as ours, notwithstanding the fact that he knelt on stage much to the ire of the National Football League. You know, they, they, they don't take this kneeling thing very lightly. But Eminem kneeling on national and international television but that notwithstanding, there was a great deal of white folks in the social media spaces that claim Eminem as quote unquote ours. I have some issue with that, though. You notice that that's a pattern, right? Have you noticed this pattern where white folks are very, very quick to claim what's yours to direct that to you, and then what's ours is something that they want to claim for their own. You know, we see it all the time, you know, and, and we've seen various examples of, uh, of, of appropriation and, and segregation. We're going to talk about that in a moment, okay? But there is this tactic among white people where the first thing they want to do is to make very clear striations, if you will, very, very clear stratifications is probably more to the point of what's yours and what's mine, right? They claim Eminem as theirs. And anybody that's going to fix their lips to claim Eminem as ours, yeah, you, 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 you know what kind of people we're talking about, right? You know who we are talking about, right? But to that end, just one little tiny teensy weensy tidbit about uh, this whole G-Funk All-Stars uh, concept as it was laid out for the Super Bowl halftime show. And let's start 
with what could be the launching pad of Dr. Dre's immense success. And that was the uh, NWA album Straight Outta Compton that came out in 1988. A year later, it was designated as platinum, having sold uh, over a million copies in 1989 and didn't really get a lot of airplay for a number of reasons, which I'll talk about in a moment. But one important element to bring up here is that Straight Outta Compton sold a million copies without a lot of radio airplay. It did not sell a, a million copies going being designated as platinum by being marketed exclusively to black people. People in the hood, I, I mean, let's face it, and, and, you know, not to, to necessarily overgeneralize, but the likelihood of people in the hood, by, and by the hood I mean poor neighborhoods that we would normally call a ghetto, the barrio, or, or the hood, they're probably not going to be your source of selling a million copies of a record that they can't even really hear on the radio. No, sir, that's, that album was marketed to white people. Priority Records, the, the studio that released Straight Outta Compton in 1988, estimates that over 80%, 80% of their sales were to suburban white people. This was on the heels of that album uh, garnering an FBI label. It was it was the, the FBI posted a warning on this album stating that it could incite people to violence. But 80 percent of the sales went to white people, white people not in the hood. But white people in the suburbs. You know. Don't you find that a little odd that 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 there that knowing this fact, next thing you know, white folks are steadily trying to claim what's yours versus ours. I find that peculiar because you know, one of the things that the hip hoppers have always done, I mean rap rap music has done for a very long time. It might have started in uh, urban areas, if you will. But it was never meant to just stay in these urban areas if they were going to be expected to to to, to be able to come anything bigger than just some 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 niche musical genre that was just going to be something ultra specialized, going to go the way of jungle music. You know what I mean? Gonna And jungle, I mean, like drum and bass. That's an actual musical genre, by the way. You can look it up. Right. But it just seems odd that as hip hop has always tried to expand its borders, be able to say, listen, this this is not just black people's music. It's not just brown people's music. It's everybody's music. Right. Yet. In typical white supremacist fashion, there's always that element of folks that looks at the idea of all of these black and brown people dancing on the screen and and having their heritage come from, you know, a tradition of fuck the police. They still want to establish these segregated units, if you will, about what's yours and ours, uh, yours and mine, and, and very few things cross the lines as to what's ours. You know, all of ours. And I don't just mean like white people saying what's just exclusively to white people. I'm talking about what belongs to all of us. 
but white people, white folks tend to uh, do that on a few other fronts as well. I mean, there have been accusations about cultural appropriation when it's convenient for, um, you know, folks like Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber uh, has been accused of appropriating pieces of black culture because he grew dreadlocks. And let's go way back and talk about the movie 10 when Bo Derek with her hair in braids and cornrows established what was known as the Bo Derek look. This may be a before some of y'all's time, but believe me, the Bo Derek look was the most annoying thing to hear folks go into a beauty shop and say, hey, give me the Bo Derek look with braids and cornrows. Yeah, okay. But then the irony is that you go from an appropriative structure like that, if you will, to white folks wanting to have straight pride day as a direct uh, corollary to, 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 to pride weeks, to pride weekends and stuff like that. They want straight pride as a means not to necessarily own their own straightness, but to subvert somebody else's movement somebody that basically beat them to it basically you know and I, I, I hope that makes sense because what it does is it becomes this establishing this establishment of yours versus mine but that's always done at your expense you know the NAAWP come on you know that's what they do that's a that is, that is a strategy expressly to to make sure that you understand that what you do does not reflect me. Couldn't really tell that by the sales of Straight Out of Compton, right? I mean, the idea was that Straight Out of Compton as an album scared the living bejesus out of teachers and 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 and, and, and law enforcement and what have you because it was so good. Yeah, and, and all these white kids were listening to it, buying it, and giving it power from a capitalist perspective. I mean, a million sales? Huh. That's saying something that people are actually going to spend their hard-earned money or their parents' hard-earned money to listen to fuck the police. It's really difficult to then say, what's yours and what's mine, it blurs the lines. That's exactly what rap music has attempted to do for decades, to blur those kinds of lines. And it was meant to blur these lines not to make white people feel bad about being white. It was meant to show white people what's going on where we are. What's going on in these poor neighborhoods? What's going on in these neighborhoods where you have kids that probably couldn't afford to uh, go to music school or, or, or take music lessons or learn an instrument? So they use records, existing records, to create different kinds of music by sampling and scratching and stuff like that. That was the role of rap music. And, and, and to a great extent, it still is, with the notable exception that it's been marketed to white people 
who love it, thankfully. But too many white folks are still hell bent on being able to establish these 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 stratified layers of what's ours versus what's yours. Vis-a-vis wall to wall white people at the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium resoundingly cheering so loudly for Eminem who promptly took a knee a la Colin Kaepernick to show you white supremacists I'm not on your side I'll take your money but I'm not on your side I am sure that that look I read it on a number of social media outlets where that went over like a lead balloon with that segment of society right So, to be clear, the G-Funk All-Star Super Bowl was reflective of the fact that rap music belonged to all y'all. Seeing people out there in lowrider cars and, 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 and pimp walking in prison attire showed you a glimpse of the world around you. It may not be your experience, but it was still meant for you to consume and to see that there are people out here that this is their thing. Going gangster, it has proved very very profitable, and it was on display for you to watch and enjoy. And if you are still sitting up there insulted and feeling like it's still an us versus them, you are exactly part of the problem. Ladies and gentlemen and non-binaries, this has been your five minutes of funk. So to be clear, check out the Twitter feed at 5M of F1 for your recommendations, suggestions, bitches, moans, and gripes. I'm going to talk to you again in a few days. So until the next time. Please be good.